Is this working? Yes? But the other one's not working. Well, of course not. It's Easter. Hey, hey, look at the people we've got in this house. <laughs> look, look at the front row. That's what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, we're glad to see you. Yeah, I see you. How you doing? I see that hand. All right, good. And Chris Washington's here, and I told you, yeah, I worked with him this week on the keyboard. They wanted me to play. I said, no, let Chris do it. He, I do it all the time. And Chris, we worked on and didn't he do good? Man alive. <laughs> Buddy, that was just the way we practiced it, pal. Right? <laughs> I told him we're the warm-up act for him because their service is after hours. He said, oh, no, no, you're the main meal. We're just the dessert. Do you feel like you're watching reruns? Because I don't know what you could hear and what you couldn't, okay? But today we got a real challenge because I'm going to preach with a microphone in my hand. That's just not right. You know what happens when you give a preacher a microphone like that? He just keeps going. I mean, you know, maybe you got plans after church. Oh, too bad. You're going to be here for a while, right? Anyway, last night we had a good friend, a preacher friend, die. And I thought to myself, first, the first thought I had was, oh, man, he almost made it to Easter. And then I said, wait a minute. He's at the resurrection. He's there. He, he's with the king on the throne up there. He's wondering where I am on Easter today. And so we celebrate his ongoing. You know, that's what we get to do. We get to go to heaven when we know Jesus, right? Amen? Amen. Man, I'm glad to see you. Glad to welcome those who are worshiping with us online today. Great opportunity to come together and worship. Just hold my calls. I'll be through in just a few minutes. Okay? I'll try, I'll try to wrap it up. I know, I know you're giving me a signal, but hang in there, okay? First, first they tore my microphone up. Then they came up here and brought me this one. I'm just, I'm trying, I'm doing, I'm just one man. I'm doing the best that I can, okay? Now we've been talking about the seven churches in Revelation. And Jesus has a message. He, he talks through John. He tells him what to write, but it's coming from Jesus. And he's got a message for every one of these churches. Now, when we've done this, today we're looking at the last one, Laodicea. And when we've done this, I've said every week, Jesus always affirms the churches first. He brags on them. He encourages them. He talks to them about what they do well. He lets them know he's paying attention and affirms them. And then he said, now there's this one area that's a growth area for you. And when Jesus points out a growth area, he's not doing that to condemn us. He's doing that to help us. He said, listen, I got a message just for you. It doesn't apply to everybody else. It's for you. And here's the area that I want you to work on because I want you to be the best you can be for me, right? And so that's a good word. And he gives that encouragement throughout the Bible. When he runs into people and he talks to people, he meets them where they are. And he has a word of encouragement for them. You can't meet Jesus and walk away and not be different. He makes a difference, doesn't he? And so today, I want you to know, if you're here today and you're hopeless, it's Easter, you're all dressed up, your family's here, but man, you got some problems nobody knows about, and you're struggling, and you don't know where to turn, and you don't know what to do, and you're at the end of your rope. I want you to know you've come to the right place today, because Jesus has a word of hope for you individually. He's here for you. He's here with us right now. He's listening to you when you're talking to him. 
He's ready and willing to respond to your needs. And so I want you to look with, this, with me at this church in Laodicea. And they had a problem, and the problem was that they were complacent. They were just spiritually apathetic. This is a place that had resources. It was a place that was blessed. They had a lot to offer. But you know what? They just kind of gotten used to being self-sustained and self-support. I got everything I need. I don't need anything else. And they just began to kind of forget what's important. And, and you know, when you get in that position, you quit thinking about God. And you quit thinking about other folks that God wants to reach through you. And so in Revelation, Jesus says this, To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. I want you to stop right there. I want you to look at that. Jesus knows. If anybody knows about us, if anybody knows about our deeds, if anybody knows about our hurts, if anybody knows about what we're going through, he knows. He's paying attention. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, I want you to know something. Jesus knows his audience. When Jesus talks to people and he tells them a parable, he gives them an illustration, they immediately know what he's talking about because it's for them. It's specific to their situation. If anybody knew about lukewarm, the people in Laodicea knew it. You know why? Because they had a limited water supply. They didn't have enough water for the whole city. There wasn't enough to go around. There were a couple of towns close by, Hierapolis and Colossae. And so what they would do, Hierapolis was the place where they could get hot water. And so they would go because there was a hot springs there. And they would go and they would collect the water that was hot and they would bring it back. But you know, by the time they got it back, because they couldn't take the interstate back then, by the time they got it back, guess what? It wasn't hot anymore. It was lukewarm. When you want coffee, you don't want lukewarm coffee, do you? You want it to be hot. And then Colossae had cold water. And they even built an aqueduct to bring the water from Colossae to them. The only problem was by the time it got there, guess what it was? It was lukewarm. So when Jesus looks at them and says, you are lukewarm. If anybody knew about lukewarm, the people there in Laodicea did. They knew what it was like to be a lukewarm city. And the problem with your faith being lukewarm is it's neither hot nor cold. It's just lukewarm. That means I've lost my love for God. You know, I'm just going through the motions. I've lost my passion for worship. The Bible tells us that Jesus said to him when he came down the Mount of Olives and, and he was riding that donkey. And they were praising him like he was God because he was. And they said, tell them to be quiet. That, that's not right. They should reserve that for God the Father. He said, if they're quiet, the very stones are going to have to cry out and they're going to have to praise me. But they're not going to have to do that today, are they? Because we're praising God today, aren't we? If you're in the house, you're already praising God. You're here for a reason. They had lost their passion for worship. They had lost their desire to grow. 
no longer interested in something new, something that God could teach them, something that they could benefit from, something that they could share with someone else. And they had lost their heart for ministry. They had gotten so complacent. Not only were they not happy with themselves, but they weren't interested in other people. You see, when you're at peace with God, when when you're on the right track with God, when you're in relationship with God, what does he do? He puts things on your heart for you to pray about. Why does he do that? So he can answer your prayer. He puts things on your heart to pray about. He says, now I'm going to put some people on your heart, and I want you to pray for these people, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to reach out to them one by one. I want you to take advantage of that. I want you to reach out and minister to them. And then they just didn't have enough time for fellowship and relationship because they had gotten busy. Do you remember the first week we talked about Ephesus? And Ephesus was a model for evangelism. And Ephesus was, I love Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. I want you to know about Jesus. And then for 30 years, they modeled that. And then they lost their first love. Why? Because they got busy. They got distracted. They got caught up in other things and might not even have been bad things, just weren't the most important thing. Jesus said, now I have this against you. You've lost your first love. Have you lost your first love today? Do you remember what it's like to be in love with Jesus? Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. You can't remember that zeal that you once had. And you wanted everybody to get saved. Were you like that? When I got saved, I wanted everybody to get saved right then with me. Just come on, everybody. We're all going to heaven. Come on, right now. And not everybody was ready for that. And I just couldn't believe it. I was ready to take them all with me right then. Lukewarm is somebody who comes to church and they're fortified by the moral instructions but they've lost their appetite. They've lost their holiness, and they've lost their love and their joy. The joy of the Lord is my? Well, I'm glad you knew that, Chris, because I'm wondering about these other folks. The joy of the Lord is my? I, I can't hear you. The joy of the Lord is my? If you got that joy down deep in your heart, it makes a difference, doesn't it? How do you know if you're lukewarm? I'm I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to give you three indicators. You ready? The first one is you're lukewarm if you look at yourself and say, I've just cooled off. I used to be on fire for God, but you know what? I've cooled off. We're talking about your heart right now. We're talking about that relationship with him because he's the one that just stokes the fire. I used to have more passion and more love for God than I do right now. I've just kind of gotten lukewarm. And then second, I've compromised. You see, what's happened is I'm lukewarm because I'm letting the world influence me. See, today we're in a battle between culture and Christianity. And culture says, what I'm going to do is what I want to do. And God says, no, that's not right. Christianity tells you what to do. That's the answer. But you think you know what's best because you've made yourself God. And you've started talking about things you don't know anything about. And you're trying to redefine everything that I've already defined. And you're wrong. And the only place you're going to find the answer is with me. And so they compromised. And, you know, that happens today, doesn't it? And it happens for people all over the world. And then the third thing was that they don't care. They're spiritually apathetic. They're just overwhelmed with life. They're just kind of going through the motions. So what can I do? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. First, you can admit your desperate need. That's the first thing you can see. What does it say there in Revelation? You say, I am rich. 
I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Boy, he spelled it out there, didn't he? I got everything I need. No, you don't. You don't even know what you're talking about. You don't have anything you need. You got a lot of stuff, but it's nothing you need. And what I'm trying to get your attention, I want you to have a more of a life than you've got. You can't just live life just kind of going through the motions, just trying to acquire things. How does God meet our needs? In Laodicea, it was with riches. It was with riches. Riches are what they acquired. We think we're doing pretty well if we get riches. You know, I used to not make as much as I do now. I used to not have as much as I do now. I used to not be in a situation where I'm blessed as I am right now, but I got everything I need. But watch out. Watch out. It can be gone with the wind in just a minute. And then rules. What is required? Well, I'm keeping the rules, so I'm spiritually alive. I'm keeping the rules, right? Life is more than just keeping rules. It's a relationship. And then there's the knowledge. What can I inquire? You know what they say about me? I am a firstborn. I ask a lot of questions. I heard Cameron over there saying amen to that. The staff can tell you I ask questions. I'm curious. My family can tell you I'm curious. Oh, yeah, he's curious, all right. If you run into me in the grocery store, you might be there a while. I might get to talking to you because that's just the kind of guy I am. You know what I'm saying? But you know what? Knowledge is not going to make it. Just having knowledge is not enough to be spiritually alive. You can know a lot of stuff, but it's not what you know. It's who you know. And then relationships, that's what I desire. Who do I really want to be with? See, what happens is that we want to have friends. Look at the person next to you and say, I want to have friends. Go ahead. Go ahead and confess that today. Just tell them right now. It's okay. You're in church. If you're sitting by yourself, you might feel a little left out when I say that. But hopefully today you're sitting by somebody that you can let know that. And you know we do, but here's what happens. We can get so tied up with our friends that we forget about those other folks out there that God's saying, hey, 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 what about that one? What about that one? Hey, you got an answer for that one. Go over there and talk to that one. They need me, and you're the one I want to tell them about me. Are you listening? And then also there's achievement. I aspire. It's what I want to aspire to be. And when I get there, it'll be the pinnacle. Everything I need, it'll all be taken care of, right? Now, listen, the truth is no matter what you acquire and what you require and what you inquire and what you desire and whatever you aspire, someday you're all going to expire. That's right. Isn't that good news? Wait a minute. I'm not so sure. Is that good news? Yeah, it is if you know Jesus. And so Jesus says, I want you to admit that you have a desperate need. And unless we're honest about our desperate need for God, we won't have the power to plug into God that we need and that he uses through us to bless others. Now, the second thing, go to Jesus alone to meet your deepest needs. He can meet them. Jesus says, buy from me gold refined in the fire. Now, he says throughout the gospel, I know your needs, and I've got what you need, and I want you to come to me, and I will give you what you need. Not what you want, but what you need. There's a difference. And he said that all the time. 
I'm the one who meets needs. That's what he's saying. In Matthew, it says this, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. I know what you need. He, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who ever comes to me will never go hungry, and he who ever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is the answer for rest, for water, for food, for need, whatever it is. Laodicea was a banking center. That's one thing to know about them. They had resources, and they knew about gold. It was also a center for production of fine, expensive black wool, and they knew about clothes. Look around. See who's wearing their new Easter outfit today. Look at them. Go ahead. If you're single, this is your chance. Go ahead and check them out right now, okay? Now, lean over to them and say, did you get that in Laodicea? Because I know they got good clothes there in Laodicea. That's what it says. And then this was unusual. In the temple outside of the city, they manufactured ointments. They had this salve that you put on your eyes, and that was something that they were known for, and they knew about it. And Jesus said, you understand how people hope to have their needs met through you. People are going to come to Laodicea to have their needs met. But Jesus says, you won't be able to do it. He says, what you need to do is get your gold from me and be refined by fire. Get your clothes from me and let me give you the ointment <clears throat> that you need to cover your eyes. There's a phrase at the beginning, and here's what he says. I counsel you to buy. He, said, he didn't say, I command you. He said, I counsel you. I want to encourage you. Listen, I've got the answer. If you'll just listen to me and do what I'm saying, I can help you if you will allow me to do that. Jesus is saying, when you go through struggles, get your help from me. Because I, the richness you need, I can give you in spiritual values. The clothes that you need, I can give you in spiritual virtue. And I can give you sight to have spiritual vision to see things the world can't see. Then the third thing is respond as a deeply loved child. Jesus says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Now, we discipline our children because we love them. It's not overkill. It's just trying to protect them and help them. So here's what I want you to hear. If Jesus disciplines you, he's not trying to beat you down. He's trying to pick you up. He's trying to help you. This is what you need. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't pay any attention. i just let you do whatever you want to do, even if it wasn't good for you. So the next time you get disciplined by God, you can say, thank the Lord. He still loves me, even me. I'm so grateful, right? And there's a difference between punishment and discipline. Let me tell you about it. Punishment makes you want to run away and hide. And a lot of people are afraid of being punished by God because they don't know him. And so they don't really understand what he's all about. And so they're scared of him. Discipline, though, is different. Discipline comes out of love. 
And so anytime we're disciplined, we're grateful. Jesus says, I know it may hurt initially to hear me say these things to you, but I say them because I love you. And every time something bad happens, does that mean that God is disciplining me? No, thank the Lord. Because bad things are going to happen in life, aren't they? You're either coming out of something bad, you're in the middle of something bad, or you're going to have something bad happen. I mean, it's just part of life because we're on this earth. And he said, you're going to have those things on this earth. But he says, here's what I want you to know. You can get through to the other side because I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to love you. And I'll tell you how you can tell the difference. When it's God's discipline, I don't feel guilty. Well, thank you, Lord. That's a good word. I need to hear that. Bless your heart. I appreciate it. You see, I feel directed. Now I know the problem. Now I know the solution. Now I know what to do. I'm not guilty. I just know where I'm going. God's discipline is crystal clear. Now we're on the last point. Aren't you glad? See, see, we're getting there. You didn't know. You were sitting there going, how many points is he going to have today? Because you were getting nervous, weren't you? Because you're already thinking, I got to go visit the Easter Bunny after a while. I got to have something to eat. I need nourishment. I need to get out of here. Well, just hang on. Hang on, because I'm going to give you some spiritual food, okay? He says, fourth, continue to open the door to Jesus. Open the door. Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and, I, and they with me. Now, listen, this is good news. I don't care who you are. If Jesus is standing at the door knocking in your life, that means that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, it's just waiting on you. I mean, what do important people do? Well, they're busy, aren't they? And they always got somewhere to go and something to do. And Jesus says, you know what? You are my agenda today. And I'm right here. And I'm going to focus on you. And you have my attention. And I'm just going to knock. Just going to knock. Because I just want you to open the door. We usually talk about this when we're talking about a person who's far from God, who comes to know God. But I want you to notice something in this particular scripture. When he's talking here, he's really not talking to people who are far from God. He's talking to believers. He's talking to people who, who have Christ in their lives, but, but they've become complacent. And he says, I'm talking to the church. I want you to wake up. I want you to realize that, that I'm right here and I'm focused on you. Jesus is talking to Christians whose hearts have become closed, and they didn't do it on purpose. It was not intentional. It just happened over time. And they didn't know it was going to happen, but it did. And they don't even realize it's going to happen, but it has. And so what are they going to do? He just keeps knocking. He just keeps knocking. Maybe you've lost that zeal you once had from me. I want you to get it back. And Jesus says, I'm patient. I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to knock on the door. I'm going to stay right here. And he, he says, I, I love you. And he just knocks, and he wants a relationship with you. And he's just going to wait because you're important. And he's vulnerable. He never says, Okay, I'm going to start yelling now. Get out here right now and open this door. I'm going to get some help. We're going to break this door down because I'm trying to get your attention. He doesn't do that. The king of the universe, he just stands there and waits. He just knocks, waiting for you. Listen, if you listen, you can hear him knocking. And he's knocking on your door, and he's talking to you. 
Now, let me ask you a question. What's he looking for? What part of your life have you failed to give him? You don't even want to talk about it because you're ashamed. You don't even want to open up and, and have a conversation, even though he already knows. You're trying to hide something from God he already knows about. And he's saying that, that part that you're trying to hide, you don't have to do that. Because I just want to come in. I want to be in charge of every aspect of your life. And, and I want to come in and have a relationship with you. And he also, the other thing he does is he's not angry. He's not beating the door down. He's just knocking. He's just knocking because he loves you and he's trying to reach you. Won't you let him into your life? Uh, he's saying, I care about you. He says, I've got a better plan for you than you can imagine. What would happen if today on Easter you were to open the door to Jesus and say, I want you to come into every aspect of my life today? And Jesus says, if you open the door, now listen, I will come in. Might be for the first time. Might be for the 100th time. It might be for the 1,000th time. I mean, every day it's a new relationship as we walk with him. And that's a powerful message of hope. And here's what I want us to see today. When Jesus talked to the seven churches, every one of them he was giving them hope. Everyone, he was offering hope. When Jesus talked to the people in the Bible, every one of them, he was giving them hope. And it was hope for them. It was a message for them. I'm going to just share one encounter today, just one, about the woman at the well. The woman at the well is found in John 4, 5 through 30. Jesus is sitting at Jacob's well, and it's in the middle of the day, and this woman comes to draw water. Why is Jesus, a Jew, sitting in Samaria? Why is he a man talking to a woman? Why is a Jewish person even dealing with a Samaritan? Why is he there in the middle of the day? Why is she coming in the middle of the day? Why didn't she come in the cool of the morning with all the other women to draw water? And what happens is she has an encounter with Jesus. Now listen, when you have an encounter with Jesus, it changes Everything, nothing is the same. She left her water jars and she ran to tell everybody about Jesus. She went from hopelessness to hope. Watch it for yourself in this clip of The Chosen. Would you give me a drink? Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You would you. Ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out here. In the heat, so you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but... I don't. Yeah? 
What do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to throw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband, then come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him, even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from, or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sort this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married, but he wasn't a good man. He hurt you, and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. 
but you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promise? I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> You forgot your um. What Jesus can do. You see what it means for her. He knows her. He knows her need. He knows where she is. He's no. He knows everything she's done, and he still loves her and he accepts her and he gives her a better way. And on this Easter Sunday, you can have an encounter with God right here, right now. You can have a relationship with him. Maybe it's a time for you to make a first-time commitment. Maybe it's a time for you to rededicate your life to Christ. Maybe you've just gotten complacent. Whatever your need, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. And when we do that, I'm going to give you a chance to respond. But there's a video I want you to watch first. And it's a video real quick by some of our young people who Jesus knew their need and he met it. It's crazy how God has changed my life so much, from me not acting like a Christian at all and being ashamed and tell people I believe in God to me now being open and unashamed and excited to bring others close to Him. He has given me amazing people to help guide me and to be there for me when I need it the most. The same Jesus who helped me with my anxiety is the same Jesus in the Bible who healed the blind man, who made the lame to walk again, who cast out demons and brought back life when death was evident. Jesus and only Jesus can help you with whatever it is you struggle with. Whether you have anxiety like I did, fear, grief, anger, emptiness, or whatever else is weighing you down, hear me when I tell you that not only can Jesus help, but he wants you to cry out to him. 1 Corinthians 10:13. No temptation has taken over you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Throughout my journey, I have dealt with plenty of temptations, regrets, and hurts, but God was never the cause. God has helped me through all of it. I am now proud to say that I have been self-harm free for 18 months on March 9th. I went into my room and got the only Bible I had at the time and held it in my hands while sitting on my bed. 
I didn't open it, but I just kind of stared at it. I know it sounds weird, but I started to pray. It was like my heart just burst at the seams and cried out for Jesus. I asked Jesus to enter my heart and I asked him to change my life and told him that I wanted to follow him. Within the two years that I've been saved, I have been completely and totally made new because of the blood of Jesus. Every bad thing, every painful moment led to me being saved and led to me growing and becoming healed in ways I didn't even know I needed healing in. Our faith never stops growing and we never stop learning from Jesus. My life has been filled with color and joy because of what Jesus has done for me and I'm so thankful for that. God has made me more thankful for my life. All day I used to be thinking about all the things that would make me hate myself and my life but because of God, I can now think about how me and you were wonderfully made and that He has a plan for us. I am unashamed. 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 I am not ashamed. Of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. We're going to wrap it up, but today, if you want to make things right with God, you can do it right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You can pray silently. You can just pray silently and repeat after me as I lead you in this prayer in just a moment. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for each person who's here. We thank you that you're here, and you can have an encounter with them, and you want to have an encounter with them. If they'll just, they'll just respond. I just, I just hear their, pray their prayers. If you'll just, if you'll just repeat to me, to me silently. accept you into my home to my heart and I ask you to forgive me give me my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness and I thank you for loving me and for saving me and giving me a relationship with you for all eternity and all God's children said 